Live from Radio Catskill in Liberty, New York, this is special election night coverage on the local edition. I'm Jason Dole, one of your co-hosts this evening, and I'm joined by your other co-host, Patricio Rabayo. Hello, Patricio. Hello, good evening. So, uh, Patricio and I, in fact, everyone here at Radio Catskill, we've been preparing for this night for quite a while, interviewing candidates and others, keeping you informed about voting logistics and deadlines, and so many of your neighbors have been working hard, too, uh, on this day and night, whether it's the candidates and their teams, their supporters, local boards of elections, the folks who work the polls in your community, and then all of us. All of us are also voters as well, so... It's a very community-oriented thing, Election Day. It's a very local thing, and that's appropriate because this Election Day is a very local election. It's a local election year. All of the county legislators are up for election in counties like Sullivan and Ulster. Nearly all of the town supervisors in Delaware County, all of the county commissioners in Wayne County and Pike County, they are all on the ballot today. And uh, being a local edition, it may a local election. It may take a little time before we have some results to talk about, and that's okay because tonight's coverage is not really about that. We will have results and reactions tomorrow morning on Radio Chatskill and on tomorrow night's local edition. Tonight is all about recapping the races, reviewing the stakes, and talking to folks about what they're seeing on the ground this election day. And coming up. To help us do that, we'll be checking in live with reporters for the Times Union, Sullivan County Democrat, The River Reporter, plus Liz Forrest from the Pike County League of Women Voters, and also Sandra Coyer, Oxford Secretary for the Working Families Party for New York. They'll both be joining us this hour. But first, let's start off with a full overview recap of this very local election. Patricio, what have folks been voting on all day? Well, like I say, it's a local election. It's a very big local election. Uh, we have several local seats that are up for grabs, like you said before. All nine seats are available for the legislature, except for two seats are being uncontested. The one closely watched races is that we are watching is District 1, where we have the incumbent Rob Doherty, who is the chairman. He's facing challenger Matt McPhillips. Matt, while is new to running for political office, is known to many as a state aide to Assembly member Aileen Gunther. And most of the Democratic candidates have expressed their opinions about either Rob or the infighting observed at the legislative meetings. Uh, when I spoke to Rob about this, he refuted these claims, stating that they could pass the resolutions that they need to with a super majority. However, public comments during most of these meetings often focus on what the chairman is saying offline and in public meetings. Rob was involved in a defamation lawsuit in which he was found guilty of and defaming his fellow legislature, Louis Alvarez, making this a really a race, a significant race to watch. Another race uh, of interest is in District 5, where we have Kat Scott, who is challenging the incumbent, George Conklin. Kat has been an active voice at the legislative meetings, both in person and on social media, particularly concerning about the adult care center management and by Infinite Care, which has taken over for the care for the management of the uh, care center and has been in decline in care as of recent. In District 9, uh, one seat was left vacant by Alan Sorensen, who did not seek re-election. The chair is being uh, vied for by the mayor of Monticello, George Nicolatis, a Democrat who's running against an unknown candidate in Sullivan County. While this candidate is unknown in Sullivan County, is known in Ulster County, Terry Bosser Bernardo. She previously ran for the state senate in the 51st district and was the Ulster County chairman at one point. 
And let's take a look uh, on the other side of the river. Uh, Wayne County, all three seats are up for grabs. We have Jocelyn Kramer, a Democrat and the incumbent. Brian Smith, a Democrat, also an incumbent. And and also we have uh, a challenger, Michael Doherty, who is the Democrat. He'll be interesting because the incumbents have expressed their desire to continue to work together. And in Pike County, we see a similar situation where all three seats are up for grabs. And we have four candidates there. The contenders are including... Challenger Krista Caceres, a Democrat. Incumbents are Anthony Waldron, Matt Olstenberg, both are Democrats, and also Ron Schmeisel, a Republican. The county faces, uh, Pike County faces some healthcare challenges given the absence of a hospital and the impending arrival of a large warehouse in Milford. And uh, we're looking at some of the uh, local races in Fallsburg because uh, most of the most of the races in town supervisors, all but two, uh, are running unopposed. In Fallsburg, we have the supervisor race heating up with the incumbent Kathy Rappaport faces challenger Michael Ben Simon. Many other supervisors are set of running unopposed. Uh, so we expect it to be a very exciting night, uh, late night. As I said, many of the many of these year off off year elections typically see lower voter turnout, uh, but some races can be only decided by a few votes. Well, along the lines of the lower voter turnout, we're going to get to our first live guest uh, coming up, but we actually have reporting from Karen DeWitt in Albany who's looking at the early voting numbers and uh, says that they're looking low. Uh, Karen DeWitt reports turnout varied depending on where some competitive races were held. According to numbers released by the New York State Board of Elections, just over 3% of voters cast their ballots during early voting, which ended Sunday. The board's Kathleen McGrath says that number is about the same as previous off-year elections that feature only local races. Early voting unofficially, uh, we we had just shy of 400,000 early voters in New York State over the nine days of early voting. Um, That is Somewhat on par with 2021, the last odd year where there was just about 409,000. In counties where there are competitive races like Albany, Erie, Ulster, and Columbia, the early voter turnout ranged from 5.5% to over 7.5%. Susan Lerner is with Common Cause, a government reform group that championed early voting. She says when voters perceive that there's something at stake, they will appear at the polls. People are very responsive to the uh, importance they place on their vote in a particular race. We see this over and over again, that if there is a competitive race in which voters are very interested, more people will vote. It's pretty simple. Lerner says she does wish, though, that turnout rates, even in years with fewer races, were higher. But she says early voting can play an important role in fixing any glitches in the system. And we have examples of how that actually helps solve problems before we get to election day. We have one county that had a problem with their electronic poll books on the first day of early voting. Voting started uh, approximately what I understand 45 minutes late in that county, but they're able to solve the problems. With next year being a presidential election year, early voting and election day voting rates are expected to be much higher. In New York, U.S. Senator Kirsten Gillibrand's seat will be up for election, as well as all 26 U.S. congressional seats and all state Senate and Assembly posts. In addition, voters will have another option beginning next year. A new law expands the state's limited absentee balloting to now allow nearly anyone to request 
request a mail-in ballot. Lerner, with Common Cause, says she hopes that the change will increase voter participation. Vote by mail, I think, is going to make a very significant difference for a lot of voters, having that option um, to allow them to figure out how it's best and most convenient for them to vote. So that's a big change. The State Board of Elections McGrath says staff are already preparing for mail-in voting, which will begin with the presidential primary in April. The exact procedures of how that will work are still being finalized, but will very closely mirror um, absentee in terms of application and uh, submitting the ballot. The mail-in balloting law is being challenged in court, though. A lawsuit led by Republican Congresswoman Elise Stefanik contends that mail-in voting violates New York's Constitution. In Albany, I'm Karen DeWitt. And thank you to Karen DeWitt and New York Public News Network for that report. And uh, right now, and this is, by the way, uh, special election night coverage from the local edition. We will be going until 7 o'clock tonight and right now we're going to go to our first live guest reporting for the river reporter we have ruby rayner hazelcorn ruby thank you so much for joining us oh one moment i brought up the wrong thing hold on <laughs> let's try that again ruby are you there okay thank you so much for joining us yeah of course thank you so much for having me Great. So, um, what are what were you looking at today on election day? Where did they have you reporting? You out towards the western end of the county? Yeah. So I was out today um, at two of the voting sites: one in the town of Tustin and one in the town of Highland. Um, and I talked to uh, election inspectors at both, as well as um, a bunch of different different voters after they voted. So, what what were you hearing from folks? Yeah, so I asked, I asked everyone, um, you know, what brought them out to vote. And um, mostly overall people responded with just kind of an obligation to their civic duty. Um, they believed in, in voting. A lot of people say they vote every year regardless. Um, in Highland, there was definitely some feedback from voters that they voted specifically because of, um, you know, town issues. And um, interestingly enough, one um, voter also mentioned kind of the necessity to vote because of national issues that were happening and just feeling like it was more urgent um, because of more national issues. And she gave the example of uh, banning books. So she said not that that's happening in this town, um, but that it made her feel like it was an important to vote, even though um, there was only local and state elections, not, not federal. Wow, that's interesting. So, like, their their feelings about uh, national issues spur them to vote locally. That's yeah, it seems like it. Cool. Um, what and how did it how did it look when you were there? Like, what were you seeing? Did they? I, I realize you 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 might be new to these polling places, but were were they busy? Was it? A, did it look like a high turnout? A low turnout? Was it hard to tell? Yeah. So, first of all, it was a beautiful day, which was nice was, in the yeah. River Valley. So it was very sunny. Um, and definitely good turnout. Um, in Highland, there was very high turnout. At around um, 1 o'clock, a little after 1, already 378 people had voted, which is a good number. Um, the poll election inspector said um, that that was pretty high. And similarly in Tustin, there was pretty high turnout, um, especially for an off year. So it was looking good. Yeah, that, that does happen sometimes. People excited. Yeah, people like, seemed just energetic to be there and 
um, one grandmother brought her granddaughters and was kind of sharing the experience with them. Oh, yes, because excuse me, Ruby. This is Patricio. Um, you know, the, you're talking about one of the few races that we have in Sullivan County. There, that is being contested as far as the supervisors goes. Uh, you know, most of the supervisor races are uncontested in Highland. You have uh, the supervisor race is being contested there, but not in Tustin, right? Is that correct? Yep, that's correct. Right. So you know, you said uh, a lot of folks were there in Highland were there for the, I guess, more national issues and more local issues. Then it seems like. Yeah, well, that was just one person who mentioned that. Um, and I will say, um, just based on it, I interviewed probably about 10 voters in, in each place. Um, so just based on that, and in Highland, people definitely mentioned um, being there at the polls because of things that were happening in the in the town as well. Um, whereas I feel like in Tustin, where there was there's less contentious um, races, people were there just uh, mentioning out of civic duty and because they vote every year. So you could see where... The places that were more competitive, definitely um, people were tuned into that, and it was something on their mind while they were voting. Yeah, absolutely. You can say the contested races. There are very few of this in as far as the supervisor races go in Sullivan County there, and um, people were taking their, their civic duty serious and uh, looking to vote and see who's going to be the next supervisor for the town of Highland. Yeah, definitely. And there was definitely more, you know, more people had voted in Highland at 1 o'clock than people had voted in Tustin at 1.30. So it seemed like there was a little bit more of a, of a turnout there. You were uh, reminding me that uh, I did not put on my I voted sticker because when I when I vote, this is getting really nerdy about it, but I write down which voter number I was on my sticker so I don't forget. So in White Sulphur Springs, I was the 125th voter, and that, right. was, that was around 1 p.m. Uh, today, uh, 12.31 p.m. So um, any, any other questions for Ruby? No, just like I said, this is your first time uh, covering an election in Sullivan County. As a reporter, how was it for you? Uh, it was great, yeah. It's just really great to see everyone um, kind of excited to to vote and excited to get out and make their voice heard. Um, and I saw my first bald eagle since being here, which seemed oh, very cool. um, kind of perfect for the perfect for election day. <laughs> Absolutely. That's great. Um, and I guess this is where we could let folks know, too, that, Ruby, you'll be joining us on tomorrow night's local edition for our weekly news roundup with The River Reporter, and we'll go over some uh, election results at that time. Yep, I'm looking forward to it. All right, well, thank you so much for joining us tonight, and thank you so much for your Election Day coverage here for us. Of course. Thanks, guys. That was uh, Ruby Rayner Hazelcorn, uh, reporter with the River Reporter, joining us live. This is just the beginning of our local election night coverage here. We're going until 7 o'clock. Stay with us. You're listening to The Local Edition, winner of Excellence in Broadcasting Awards from the New York State Broadcasters Association. Radio Catskill. Listen local. Support comes from Jeff Bank, Sullivan County's Community Bank, celebrating 110 years of service this year. Offering deposit and loan products for all your banking needs. Member FDIC and an equal housing lender. National Mortgage Licensing System and Registry Identification Number 405318. 
Jeff Bank, still banking strong. And support comes from listeners like you who donate at WJFFradio.org. Your NPR station for the Catskills in Northeast Pennsylvania. This is Radio Catskill. All right, welcome back to special election night coverage here on the local edition on Radio Catskill. I'm Jason Dole. Patricio Rabayo is here. And joining us on the phone right now, we've got Philip Pantuso, managing editor for Times Union Hudson Valley Bureau. Philip, thank you for joining us on election night. Happy to be here. So uh, did you actually get out yourself to any polls? I did. I am wearing my I Voted sticker on my sweater right now. It is not the Spaghetti Monster, but it's still a lovely illustration. <laughs> ah, the Spaghetti Monster. Well, what were you seeing? How did it look uh, uh, to you where you voted? Uh, 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 high turnout, low turnout, or not, hard to tell? Hard to tell. I voted um, at about 4 p.m. in my district in Midtown Kingston. Um, there were about a dozen or so other people, and... Um, I could tell that, I mean, just chatting briefly with some of the poll workers, um, it, you know, several hundred people had come to that poll site, which is, you know, far from the only one in the city. So I expect turnout will be pretty high for, for Kingston, given that uh, the, the mayor is on the ballot. There's a number of ballot proposals that people are interested in. Um, and, you know, as is the case with, with all of Ulster County, they're electing new uh, town leadership um, both for their, their council uh, and, uh, you know, mayor or supervisor. And what about county leadership uh, in Ulster County? How is that on the ballot? So um, Jen Metzger is running technically for county executive. It's, it's a mere formality. She is unopposed. Um, listeners might remember she won a special election last year to um, replace Pat Ryan, former county executive who was elected to Congress himself in a special election. So um, not much debate about what's going to happen there. Um, The race that we're um, kind of most interested in is the district attorney. Um, That is pitting uh, a current chief assistant assistant district attorney, um, Manny Neji, against the former ADA, Mike Kavanaugh. in what's become a really heated race. There's a lot of outside spending that's poured into that um, campaign. Um, so th- that's going to be an interesting one to watch. Um, the the county is also an, electing new legislators. About half of those seats are unopposed. So there's not too much mystery there, um, you know, unless something quite shocking happens. Democrats will maintain control of the county legislature here in Ulster. And what else are you keeping an eye on uh, in for the Hudson Valley? What 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 else is noti- notable and something that you're going to be looking for in the results uh, out of today? Um, a couple of things I think jump to mind. We're, we're tracking all of the races in the Mid Hudson Valley and in the Capital Region over at, at TimesUnion.com. Um, so I've kind of got my eye across a lot of things, but the things that are jumping out are. Um, well, one, one in particular is uh, the mayoral election in the city of Poughkeepsie. Um, we, that, that pits Anthony LaRocca, the Republican candidate against a Democratic councilwoman, Avon Flowers, 
who won um, a pretty hotly contested primary earlier this year. Um, the voter enrollment in the city of Poughkeepsie in particular leans Democratic, so we expect Flowers is going to win that race. But why it's interesting to me is because she would be um, the first black mayor in, this, in the whole entire history of the city of Poughkeepsie, which is notable given that um, the Poughkeepsie is, uh, has a sizable black population. So that, that would be a historic moment if it happens um, and something we're definitely keeping our eye on. Wow. And so, and so there's mayor races in Poughkeepsie and also Kingston that, that you mentioned. Yep, and in a uh, in few other places too. Newburgh, um, the incumbent Torrance Harvey is the favorite there. Um, Beacon is electing a mayor. Port Jervis is electing a mayor. Um, a lot of places are electing supervisors too, including um, Woodstock, where the favorite Bill McKenna um, won the primary earlier this year, even though he said he was not campaigning. Um, he is he's facing a challenge, a third party challenge from uh, Bennett Ratcliffe, who is a councilman there in Woodstock and who challenged him in the primary. And, and um, if anybody remembers, that was a, a, compl- a really, really kind of ugly campaign over the summer where the two of them were calling each other names. They had wild disagreements over a number of issues in the town, most notably um, a sizable landfill that um, contains construction and demolition debris that's become a huge issue of concern about how it might be affecting the the city's or the town's water. Um, You know, McKenna is likely to win that, but that's another sort of town leadership race we're watching. All right, great. Well, I, I thank you for going over all this with you, and I think we're going to have you on Thursday on Thursday, yeah. right? And so we can we can talk a little more about the the latest news from the Hudson Valley, and maybe some of these results might be interesting as well at that point. For sure, I'll talk to you all then. All right, thanks so much, Philip Pantuso from the Times Union's Hudson Valley bureau, and uh, they are tracking election results at timesunion.com. Election day is about uh, representation. It's about local community. And then also, um, you know, we, it's also about food sometimes, depending where you go to vote. Uh, You know, there might be some donuts, there might be some uh, baked goods or a bake sale going on, or there might be soup. And in Calicoon, there was a lot of soup at the Delaware Youth Center where Calicoon residents were voting today. I went there, took a microphone, and uh, I talked to some folks about soup. Well, I'm Julie Pizal. We're at the Calicoon's, the Calicoon Youth Center, where they have the election, and we're with the Kiwanis Club, and we have our soup festival. What's a soup festival? The space has seats in the middle where folks are eating soup, and then the whole place is ringed by tables full of crockpots. That's right. We have about 27 different soups. The Kiwanis Club members make the soups. All the restaurants make the soups. And we have, some people have their favorites. You can come down, you can sit down, all for $10, and try every soup if you want. Stay all day, try all the soups, and it comes with rolls and dessert. And if you want takeout, they're three for $10, including the rolls and dessert. I was just going to ask, because I can't stay all day, so I was hoping there's a takeout option. That's right. And some people come, and they try them. If they like them, they take them home for dinner, too. Kiwanis Club, they have the literacy partners in with the Kiwanis Club. And all of the proceeds today go to buy books for every elementary student, pre-K through sixth grade, at the school. So that's where all this money will go. And twice a year, actually next week, all the kids can go and pick out a book at the school. 
Wow, that's great. Okay, cool. So uh, here's the hardest question I'm going to ask you, right? What's your favorite? Well, I happen to like them all, but I like the lobster bisque, and I got to say, the Villa Roma makes delicious lobster bisque. Wow. But all the restaurants make good soup, and Fred Stabber, he makes the best clam chowder. That's very popular, too, the Manhattan clam chowder. Everybody has their favorite. There's a seafood chowder people like, too. Wow. So, and we're here till all the soups are sold out or 7 o'clock, whichever comes first, 11 to 7. Well, thanks for taking the time to talk to us, and best of luck. Thank you very much. Okay, I got to get some soups to go, so I'm going to walk around real quick and tell you what soups we got here. Sausage and tortellini, compliments of Job Corps. Lentil kale, compliment of Ollie Gray's. That one's vegan. The sausage kale of Rafter's Tavern. Another vegan lentil, the Calicoon Creek House. I love this table. We got cheddar broccoli, spinach soup, and broccoli cheddar. And that one's compliments of Pex. Sweet potato ginger curry, which, oh, that sounds good. Compliments of the Calicoon Brewery. Lobster bisque from the Villa Roma. Chicken Thai. Do you know where that came from? No, but it's good. Okay. Ukrainian mushroom soup. Ham and potato. Chicken soup. Pea soup. Chicken noodle. Butternut squash. Black bean soup. Hamburger soup. Manhattan clam chowder. Chicken orzo. Chili. And a seafood chowder that you can (laughs) smell clear across the room, but Julie says it's popular. We gotta submit this for an award. <laughs> so that was uh, that was the scene earlier today at the Delaware Youth Center. I have more audio uh, from the soup festival. We'll get people's reactions to the soups, but uh, we do have more serious election coverage to get to here as well. And help us with that. Up next, it's Derek Kirk, editor for Sullivan County Democrat, joining us live. Derek, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing good. Excited. Uh for the polls to stay open and uh, for people to keep their ballots flowing in, but doing pretty good. Did you happen to go to any polling places today? I sent a few reporters out, and they, you know, they noted that people were uh, streaming in and out. Um, you know, uh, remaining busy. A lot of people, um, you know, looking to make their voice heard. Right, right. Did you get? Did any of them get any kind of food? Because we were just talking about the soup that was there in Calicoon. Oh, well, you know our office is right next door, so we, we were able to sneak by and get some of that uh, some of that good soup. But we did note uh, that that polling place in the town of Delaware also, you know, besides the, the draw of the soup, was pulling in, you know, a number of people looking to uh, cast their ballot. Great. So decent, decent turnout uh, in, in these local places. Now, you're getting ready to uh, go wait for results to come in. Is that right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Numerous members of both the Republican Party and the Democratic Committee are excited for today's tally at the end of the day. So the groups are gathering in White Lake and their respective locations uh, tonight for ballot watch parties. So myself and my staff writer, Alex Kilar, will uh, be in attendance and to try to get the mood and uh, see what uh, the candidates are feeling as, you know, uh, the tickers start uh, counting up. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, you know, this is a big local election. I noticed that not a lot of the supervisors are, uh, the supervisor races are unopposed, but of course, everyone's eye is focused on the legislature's uh, race here. We have all nine seats are up for grabs. Uh, only two seats are running, uh, you know, unopposed. Uh, all the seats are have a, has a challenger. But getting, like I said in the beginning, some of the big races that folks are looking for is District 1 with Rob Doherty and Matt McPhillips. And the other one, I think, believe it's Cat Scott. The other one is District 9 with uh, George Nicolatos. Um, so it's really been, uh, you know, I, I, if, I can't remember in my recent memory if there's been such a such a competitive, rate, competitive election year, especially with the local races. Because in the past, a lot of times 
a lot of folks do run unopposed. Uh, but in this legislature race, uh, it seems like every seat except, except for two has a challenger. So, uh, you know, what what is your take in this past year with the election um, and, and these election campaigns that we've been seeing? Right. So I think, you know, most people who've been paying attention have noted that uh, a lot of the legislature seats have, uh, you know, the race for these have been boiling up um, over the past year. And I would say, you know, a couple of years um, as well. Uh, and these elections are you know, a large deal for the future of the county for the next four years. Um, the results will determine whether the county legislature will uh, be headed toward with uh, the future with a Democratic majority or maybe uh, maintain their uh, um, Republican uh, majority. Uh, you know, um, it's, it's been a, uh, a large push for a lot of the candidates. Um, and their efforts have definitely been noticed and seen, especially, you know, as we've been uh, inching towards election night tonight. Well, of course, the the Democrat has an, an article up with the headline, Local Elections Marked by Few Competitive Races, and then you kind of go uh, town by town, and that's something that you're seeing that when it gets down below the county level where there is some competition, at least in a majority of the districts, at the town level for some of these town offices, uh, you're seeing lots of folks uh, running unopposed. Yeah, a lot of the town uh, towns, um, they are seeing, uh, apparently, you know, pretty, uh, um, satis- satisfa- uh, satisfactory, you know, feelings for their local, uh, officials. Um, you know, w- with the 15 townships that we have, I'm not quite sure at the top of my head how many are uncontested. Um, but it is definitely an, um, a minority. Uh, so I think that speaks to, um, at least on the town level, uh, the, you know, um, the uh, the satisfaction of uh, what their townships are doing for folks, them. Folks are in favor of the incumbents, the people that are already in office, and then presumably the job they're doing. It would appear so. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Yeah. So, so like I said, it's, it's going to be a long night because like I said I was talking to one of the uh, commissioners for for Wayne County, not in this county, but she won last time. Uh, last time around, last time uh, her commissioner seat by only ten votes. And it was also, you know, one of these local elections because sometimes they historically they are have a low turnout. Uh, we were, I'm not sure we got some numbers yet from the early voting, but I heard that some of the early voting was low in some places. Um, and but you know, of course, Sullivan County is is wide, large. Uh, some polling places are very busy, and some places are hardly anybody at all. So it's a wait and see. I, I think tonight's going to be a late night. I think we're not going to get results until late tonight. And uh, um, I definitely have results for you guys tomorrow uh, morning, uh, at least preliminary results. Absolutely, yeah. It's going to be a long night. It's going to be a nail-biter, I think, for some of these uh, legislature seats that are coming up. So well, there'll be more coverage, especially in the Sullivan County Democrat, uh, coming up uh, you know, in future editions. Um, and uh, the polls, uh, as you guys know and as our voters know, will remain open until 9 p.m. tonight. Uh, so there's still time. Uh, to read up on the candidates and approach the polls with an informed decision. All right. Well, Derek, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us tonight. Thank you so much for having me, and good luck with uh, with election with us election night. That's great. So, yeah, as I'm I'm here online at uh, SC Democrat Online, just running through this town by town, seeing you know 
Uh, every candidate uh, on the November ballot in the town of Calicoon will be elected, meaning uh, that, that they're kind of shoe-ins. In Coshecton, town of Coshecton will see every candidate running unopposed. Um, uh the only one office in the town of Fallsburg, uh, and sorry, only one office in the town of Forestburg, uh, is being contested. Um, and in uh, there's it just keeps going. Um, the only town of Liberty race which is contested is for council member uh, in Lumberland. There are no contested races, so a lot of uncontested races yeah. out there. Once you get below the Sullivan County legislature level, which I think further speaks to how interesting it is that so many, all but two of the county seats, uh, are contested and some of them hotly. Yeah, definitely. I say it's, it's uh happens in an off year election, but like I said, it's, it's going to be an interesting race to see who. We'll be on the new faces of the legislature. Reminder that polls are open until 9 o'clock in New York State, and they are open until 8 o'clock in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. We will be checking in what things have been like in Pike County. We talked to Communications Director for the Pike County League of Women Voters, Liz Forrest, will be coming up later in the program. And when we come back from this break, we'll be checking in with uh, Sandy Oxford, who's with the Working Family Party of New York. So do stay with us. It's election night. Here on the local edition. I'm Meghna Chakrabarty, host of On Point. Each hour of On Point is a journey to help make complicated issues understandable. Every issue brings more questions, like how did we get here? Why is this happening? And what does it mean? And how do we fix it? So let's figure this out and make sense of the world together. Join me weekday mornings at 11 here on Radio Catskill. This is Ari Shapiro from NPR. If working from home is your new routine and you've got a car you don't need anymore, consider donating it to this station. It could be worth hundreds of dollars in support. Thank you. Go to WJFFradio.org. Hi, I'm Kusar Grace KG, host of the Music Emporium. Two hours of great music right here on Radio Catskill. Sometimes I start out with a little bit of talk concerning things in the world for the week. Then I'll jump into some tunes that you will enjoy. Jazz, funk, blues, and more. So come and hang out with me the Music Emporium. Tuesday night, 7 to 9, right here on Radio Catskill. And Music Emporium will be on at its regular time tonight after we wrap up the special election night coverage that we've got here. And uh, another programming note. The Daily will return at its regular time as well. We've been uh, kind of filling the entire 6 o'clock hour last uh, few local editions, getting ready for the election, and now with our election night coverage. And who are we? I'm Jason Dole, and Patricio Rabayo is here. Hello, hello, hello. So uh, thank you so much for being here, Patricio, and helping make all this happen. Yeah, well, we, we had to move some shows around just because there was so many interviews that we had to get to. Not only Sullivan County, but Wayne County and Pike County. It's a big local election year. We've been saying it again and again, and uh, that means there's a lot of work to do in uh, finding out what's happening locally. And tonight, again, we're going over, you know, the races and the stakes and what people have just been seeing today. 
And to give us further perspective on all that right now, we are going to Sandra Cuellar, Oxford, Sandy Oxford, Secretary, Working Families Party in New York, and so much more in our community as well. Joining us live on the phone right now, Sandy, are you there? I am. I am. Good evening, gentlemen. How are you both doing? Doing good. Having fun. It's a election night. It's a good, it's a, makes you feel good about community. Very local yeah. community day. I'm just thrilled that you and Patricio decided to do this. This is very important. I know that there's so many folks that are engaged. We're seeing more and more engagement happen. I mean, we're seeing a bit of an uptick in Sullivan County, but also in the region, as uh, a lot of the real bread-and-butter issues for working families become front and center. You know, something I do want to start off uh, asking you, though, just because I was a little surprised when I when I went to vote today. I do keep an eye on the party lines and pay attention. And it seemed like, at least on my ballot where I was voting, that the Working Families uh, Party only had candidates in the state level races, which for us is in New York is a Supreme Court. I was just wondering yeah. why that was. Does Working Families Party not typically endorse people at, at, the, at the like the county or town level or was was there some other reason that, that that didn't happen? We we do. Um, you know, it's important that we get those, we help those judges as much as we can at the state level. Those judicial district seats are incredibly important. So whatever we can lend to them uh, in support, that's, that, that is a real need. Um, I think that we go through seasons with the WFP, especially in Sullivan County. You know, you look in Ulster and Duchess, and they just had, like, the largest number of WFP candidates on their ballots, and they're actually having an incredible flourish. I think they interviewed over 100 candidates this election cycle between Ulster and Duchess in that chapter. Wow. And we've had, we've had different seasons in Sullivan County, though the WFP has been supportive of some of the candidates in the county and you know we have our friends there as well but uh it's it, it it varies it really varies i just want to speak on the importance of those judicial district races because those three judicial um uh judges really have a great impact on our lives and in many of the cases that we see uh one case in particular one year in sullivan county we had a 17 year old that was um, McGuire, who was sitting as a judge at that time, he sentenced one of our young men in the community to the harshest sentence for a burglary crime in kind of like in for that year, which was almost 11 years for a burglary without any violence, a first time offender. And it was this judicial district that really allowed this young man who had already served three years to reduce, once the appeal went through, to reduce that. And I'm just so thankful to say that this young man is an, an incredible contributor to our community, no longer tax-dependent, but a tax contributor and a leader and somebody that we should have invested in. So those judicial district seats are super important. And um, the county, as we know, the health of the county is on the ballot. Um, I've been telling people to vote like the health of the county is on the ballot because it is. We see the uh, Sullivan United group that has made a real strong commitment. They are speaking with one voice to interrupt the sale of the adult care center to 
really start looking at county services and not the decimation of what we've seen in the last four years of very trusted county services, especially as it relates to alcohol and substance abuse treatment that is run by the county. Very important, these public sector services and also the jobs, you know, the fact that Sullivan County loses so much money in training civil servants that then will just cross the imaginary border into Orange or into Ulster for like, you know, a 20% bump in in their income. Um, We need to fix this. We need parity. In the workforce, we call that parity. And we also have seen with the Sullivan United Slate that labor has gotten involved. I work with the nurses. I'm very proud to say that the nurses have come out very strong and they have come out very solid to be sure that they are endorsing um, candidates that are going to help nurses be sure that they can put patients first that we're not seeing the stripping of our services at our local hospital because we don't have elected officials that are speaking up, that are asking questions, why everything is being sent to Orange County and regionalized out of the area. So this is a very, very important year for Sullivan County. I hope everyone, you know, gets out to vote. And I'm glad that you're reminding folks that the polls are open till nine. Yeah. And uh, again, just to recap what you're saying there, or what sounded to me like you're saying there is that you, you say that the health of the county of Solomon County, you know, is on the ballot. And then you go to, yes. on to explain that because of just the infrastructure, the personnel that are the underpinning um, of, of various aspects of health in their county, the governance yes. of health care. Yes, yes. And the human infrastructure. Thank you for using that word, because we have to start thinking about the human infrastructure. When you flip the ballot, there's two uh, proposals, there's two ballot measures on the back that are talking about infrastructure that are critically important. So vote yes, because we know how important infrastructure in schools is and infrastructure in our community and our sewer systems. But you know what? On the other side of the ballot where we vote, that's the human infrastructure piece. That's the piece that the nurses are weighing in on. That's the piece that the Teamsters, Local 445, who are the largest private sector union in the county, are urging everyone to please, if, if, if you care about the county workforce, if you think that they deserve a measure of gratitude for helping us pull through the pandemic and doing a lot of the work that, that sometimes is thankless, you know, And again, they are underpaid woefully. And, you know, we need a legislature that's going to value them and going to value the services that they provide. What else do you feel uh, is on the ballot this election night? Uh, What are the stakes, whether that's for Sullivan County's future or the region's future? What what how do you feel about that? Well, you know, um, involved a bit in Ulster County and Ulster County has a just a historic opportunity to put a wonderful DA in office, Manny Nige, who has been serving as an assistant district attorney for thirty years and has really been a tremendous contributor to families, to community, to you know, all of the kind of like country holistic wholesome things that we think about with sports and recreation and all of that. And he's been such a permanent fixture for 
that and promoting that for families for three decades in Ulster County, in addition to doing his work as uh, assistant district attorney. So his race is a race that, you know, you have a candidate that is not afraid to talk about bail reform in a whole different way, to really start appealing to the state to bring resources to Ulster County. So that way bail reform can be really implemented in the spirit that it was supposed to be uh, implemented in, that victims, regardless of your connection, your status, you know, who you're friends with, what you're, you know, whatever, that victim resources also come to his office. Because through the years, you know, DAs want to be very strong about, you know, getting tough on crime and all of that. But what they've been absolutely silent on is, again, the stripping the of services and of resources that victims deserve in our community, victims, families, and the communities most impacted by crime and wrongdoing deserve the services, deserve the support, and deserve the attention. So when you have an innovator, when you have a lawmaker like this who is really looking at things through the lens of crime, but in a real transformative way to not just restore victims, but to restore relationships and to restore communities, it's 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 been inspiring to me to to be along there and you know our friend Jen Metzger I believe that she's going to be okay and she will probably um, uh, have a victor- victorious evening tonight and hopefully she can continue to govern in her majority and we'll see what happens tonight or. She's had, I think she's had almost a super majority there in Ulster County. And can we go yeah. as far as Duchess? Yeah, if, you, if you've got something to say about County. Duchess, sure, let us know. Absolutely. been involved with the Duchess County uh, work over there and the work labor has turned out in Duchess County in a magnificent way. The Duchess Central Labor Council has just been amazing. They've had boots on the ground. They've had a real robust labor-to-labor and labor-to-community engagement. Uh, They have a county executive race that is very big, Tommy Zerhelen, who um, some may recognize the name. He, He unsuccessfully ran for Congress, and he walked across the country for veterans' rights. He is a veteran. He is a college professor, 10 years at Marist. And he is running against former state Senator Sue Serino. So, you know, there the Democrats have pretty much a a hard time. But you have a very, very wealthy community. Unlike Sullivan County, you have Dutchess County that has, uh, they're probably in the top tier, the top third of wealth in the state. However, they could be doing so much more for their safety net and their social net situation over there because there's a lot of issues. You know, the entire Democratic slate is calling for psychiatric and more psychological and mental health support for the youth there. Um, you know, we have the, the opioids and the addiction that is just hitting every zip code. So their county is no different. And because they have resources, it's been such a mismatch 
of having these resources, but yet not having the services that families need to thrive and to flourish when they have the money. When You know, the big criticism there, they put all their COVID money into a stadium and, and, and to, to rebuild their stadium instead of, kind, you know, rebuilding mental health services, strengthening veteran services and improving access for people with disabilities, which is something that they're talking about over there with that slate. So, you know, there's a, there's, I, I think it's, it's, it's a mixed bag in the Hudson Valley, and yet it's really good because I'm seeing in all counties a bit of an uptick of engagement and of um, interest. What do you see? Do you know... Uh, uh, how are we doing at the polls? Are, are a lot of people coming out to vote? Are it's we funny that low? you should. It's funny that you should ask because I was actually just going to ask you that as our quick wrap up oh, question because that's what I've been asking all of the reporters that we're checking in with those who actually been to the polling places and it kind of ranges from like hard to tell to seeming like it's a decent turnout. Uh, we do have reporting from Karen Dewitt in Albany looking at the at the whole state saying that early voting appeared to be low. Um, and what impact that has, what what story that tells, I think we'll know more after we see the results tomorrow. Maybe that offset was uh, it was seen in who actually turned up to the polls and the polling places. But when you went out to vote, what were you seeing and, and how, how did it appear to you? Well, I was in Hurleyville, so it's, it's not doesn't get too rowdy yeah, <laughs> out there. Yeah. And I think it was number 49. Um before noon right so um it's kind of hard to gauge it is it's kind of hard to gauge but i know there's a last there's some last there's a last minute write-in vote in liberty i heard you talking about liberty (laughs) so there's a last minute supervisor write-in vote and for the two towns in sullivan county where i think that things are we're seeing things get competitive is in liberty and in fallsburg because of I, I think it has everything to do with our housing. You know, I think it has everything to do with the housing crisis, the affordability crisis, and the fact that uh, many people have, are, are starting to pay attention, and that's good. That's very good because we have to be sure that the housing that we build is for the people who are kind of here and working and living in housing that's maybe making them sick or that is not uh, suitable for them to live in. You know, we've we we haven't done much. There hasn't been much movement with um, our homeless community. Mm-hmm. You know, the people that are unhoused in Sullivan County. So I'm going to guess that um, we're going to see more activity in those two townships moving forward because they're get they're heating up. Absolutely. Yeah, you just mentioned about housing. That was actually one of the topics that was happening last night at Town of Fallsburg uh, board meeting. I was attending via Zoom, and that was basically a half-hour discussion on the housing boom that's happening in Fallsburg uh, with all the large developments. But, of course, like you mentioned before, these are not developments that are um, uh, affordable housing for everybody. Um, and, and so that was the big Big topic yesterday, and, and many, of course, with the election coming up, they mentioned that uh, how this could be on their minds when it comes to the polls of uh, the recent years of housing in Fallsburg and the increased population that we have during summer months. Yeah. Yeah, I think we're going to need some um, real courageous conversations in our community. I feel that the people who are currently here that are living in housing that is making them sick, a lot of a lot of the, the the units that people are living in, 
people, you know, no one thought that they were going to live in this space for more than 40 years, and they're already exceeding that. So you have housing stock that, unfortunately, is making part of the population sick. And um, and we need to do something about that. You know, we, we, we really need to, to go up and down the um, the pyramid of power, so to speak, from the from the county level all the way uh, town level, all the way up to, to the federal level to get to, to connect the dots, to bring in the resources. Because something that is called social housing, I hope, is a word that we're going to hear more of. And uh, I know I learned a lot about it on a delegation with folks from the state of New York, because we all believe that everyone deserves to be housed. Housing is a human right. And in Sullivan County, it's just become uh, unattainable for so many people. And that's, you know, we have all this land. We have land banks. We have have plots of land that urban environments would, uh, you know do so much just to have so so anyway, yeah and i i thank you so much for for talking to us i wanted you to to give us an idea of like the issues and the stakes and you've done that but you've also given us an idea of where the issues might go next and the conversations that we should be having after election day sandy oxford thank you so much for joining us have a great night Well, live election coverage here on the local edition, and uh, we do have Music Emporium coming up, but we, we're going to check in with our last guest here because we want to talk a little bit about what's happening on the other side of the river from uh, Sullivan County and the Hudson Valley. And for that right now, we're going to Liz Forrest, who we've talked to a couple times in the lead up to this election, Communications Director for Pike County League of Women Voters. Liz, thank you for joining us tonight. Hey, it's my pleasure. How are you doing? Doing good, doing good. How how are you feeling this election day? Well, uh, I always feel a little bit down on local elections because the turnout is usually pretty poor. Uh, and I don't think we're going to be breaking any turnout records today. Uh, we have, soaking wet, 43,000 registered voters and uh, of those, I don't think we're going to see more than 20 to 25 percent. Wow. Uh, it was looking to us that there, there may have been fewer uh, contested races in, in, in uh, northeast Pennsylvania than we were seeing on our side of the river. And once you get to the town level in Sullivan County, there, there are very few contested races. Do you think that has something to do with it, that there's, there's so few options for voters? I think that that's absolutely correct. Um, we did have a fully involved county commission race here, and that has tended to turn voters out in past years. But generally, when it goes along with another strong race, for example, in 2015, we did break some records here. But then we had a, a DA race that was attracting national attention. Uh, you may remember right, Eric right. Freen, who had killed the 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 uh, oh shoot the the police uh, state policeman over in Blooming Grove. So we got a lot of attention and uh, a lot of people came out. Well, we haven't had anything like that since then. 
four years later when you had the same layout of candidates or the same layout of offices up. We only had like 8,900 people out of 40,000 voters. Um, like I say, we have 43,000 now. As of yesterday, we only had uh, 5,700 that had applied for mail-in ballots of any kind, absentee ballots, mail-ins, military, and so on. And of those, only 4,000 of them were returned as of yesterday. So I doubt seriously 1,700 people walked their ballots into the courthouse today. I did drive around the county today, and to be quite honest, you could have hunted deer in most of the parking lots. (laughs) Um, I mean, they, they said that it was steady. And, uh, you know, people that I would talk to say, well, you know, for an off-year election, it's not bad. It's always bad over here in an off-year election. So um, I, would, I would say probably once, they, once we start seeing the numbers coming in, obviously I can give you better, you know, a better idea of, of what we saw today. And our polls close at 8 and I expect that the first um, sampling of of what we are going to see will be on the website for Pike County Election Office by about nine. But that will only be the absentee and mail-in ballots that will have been scanned and, and calculated by that time. It'll probably be 10:30 to 11 before we get any real numbers from from the townships. And by the way, what you had said about the townships in Sullivan reflected here exactly i mean there there were just whole townships where there was one person on the ballot for every office and not every office was even contested Mm. uh and and you know uh, along those lines i I, uh, we've only got a couple minutes uh left um but so, so you said you actually went to some polling places for the few people that were there. Did you uh, interact with anybody? Did you get any feeling about how they're feeling? I think people, just, uh, most of the people that I spoke with today, this is what they do in an off-year election. They go to vote. This isn't like, unless they just moved here, it wasn't their first time. Um, I spoke with a couple of the candidates. I also spoke briefly with the Democratic chair of the county. They were they were down in Lehman Township, and she was feeling good about what she was seeing. But I, I sat there and talked to her for maybe five to ten minutes, and two voters walked in the door, which Man. to me. At, that's that's crazy. Now, that was in the middle of the day, about right now, when people are coming home. You will see a pickup towards the end because people will come home, they'll eat dinner, and then husbands and wives tend to go to the polls to vote. Um, maybe. You know, it, it, it will really depend on how people feel about it. It got pretty contentious over here for a couple of races, but that's not unheard of for local race, uh, for local races. Right. Uh, Liz, we're going to have to go here now in just one minute in that final minute. Do you have any final thoughts or anything else that you wanted to share with folks? Well, um, if you were listening in Pike County and you haven't voted, you still have another hour. Get yourself to it. If you were sitting on a mail-in ballot that you haven't turned in, if you can get over to Milford, you still have an hour to turn that in. Um, If you don't vote, don't complain. There 
there you go. And yes, again, polls are open until 9 p.m. in New York State, until 8 p.m. in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. And we've been speaking with the Communications Director for the Pike County League of Women Voters, Liz Forrest. Thank you for uh, letting us know what's happening in Pike County. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Well, and that's going to do it for our uh, local election night coverage here, Patricio. But uh, tomorrow, well, as you heard from Liz there, you know, we're not expecting to be able to have many results until it gets kind of late here tonight. So that's why we're going to do results tomorrow. Again, tomorrow at 10 o'clock, we'll be here both here with, uh, with Tim Bruno giving you the latest results from this election from Wayne, Pike and Sullivan counties. Yeah, the whole crew on air at once tomorrow, and we'll also get some reactions from candidates uh, as well, however they fare tonight. Patricio, thanks so much for being here with me tonight. You're welcome. It was a pleasure. Exciting election night, an exciting night for us all. So, All right, so that's going to do it for the local edition, and uh, we're going to go to...